You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined, as always, by Chris Plum. And we are joined also by a familiar face, the one, the only, Mr. Joe DeLeon is back on the podcast to talk a little bit about the New York Giants and to also preview the draft. He's a draft guy now. We're going to go over who the New York Giants might be interested in, who fits this coaching staff, and what we should be looking forward to as April vastly approaches. But Chris, before I get to you, I want to ask our guest Joe how he's doing. Joe, how have the last couple months been? Uh, pretty good. Been uh, crazy during the college football season, but uh, I, I have to admit, I'm I'm glad that I'm not as deep dove into the Giants this season. And I, I, I completely sympathize with you guys <laughs> back when Chris and I were we're doing this show. I think like the first three seasons, it was just doom and gloom. Nothing good was happening. The team was bad. And it sucks that we're back here. I wish I was coming on here in better circumstances. I remember coming on in the offseason. It was exciting. The future looked bright. There were some massive positives that were, you know, were seeping through. But I hope the draft can fix some things because this team still has some potential. Yeah, it, it really does have potential. We've seen it in flashes, but also... Yeah, it's been rough out here, and you know, thanks for not rubbing our noses in it too, too much. <laughs> I'm right here with you guys. I, I, there's nothing to rub in. I'm suffering as, just as much as the you know the listener base and uh, everybody else is. So, one of the reasons why this team has disappointed is probably a, a safe word to say, right? This New York Giants team is disappointed. Is injuries? It's not the primary reason. It's certainly not the only reason. But injuries have played a factor. Daniel Jones, you have the neck, you have the ACL injury. He had surgery, I think it was a week ago now, or it might have been at the beginning of this week. It sounds like that surgery went successful on his torn ACL. Andrew Thomas seems like this entire season he's been plagued by that hamstring injury after the freaking first drive of the year. Now, I feel a little weird bitching and complaining about Andrew Thomas's hamstring now that he's still on the football field with Aaron Rodgers across the city tearing his Achilles four plays into the season, which is really crazy. And now his practice window was open. That might be a conversation for another day. But you also have Darren Waller and his hamstring. Is he going to come back this year? There's just a lot of discussion and a lot of the the pieces we were really interested in about this New York Giants team just injuries man plagued them and I just feel like it's been this way for a decade plus now as a New York Giants fan and someone who covers a team yeah it feels so similar to I forget exactly what year it was but right after Eli and, and Ben McAdoo took the team to the playoffs the following year it was just injuries on top of injuries on top of injuries and yeah that's frustrating that's what I thought it was I thought it was 2017 or yep. 2016 and it's just like one of those things where everything starts to appear like it's going in the right direction. You've got a bright offensive coach who's funny when you turn over to him on the sidelines when you look at him. And then things are looking terrible the next year because of all the injuries that they dealt with. And then 
you were back to being the butt of the joke in the NFL, which is just so terrible. And I, I think that it's it's not just the injuries, though. I think that we see some of the underlying issues that are exposed and brought to the surface on top of the injuries. That's usually what happens in the NFL and any level of football, that when guys start to get hurt, that's when all of the other problems that we didn't really know about when things were going well start to come out. And we're starting to see that right now. Especially when those in, those individuals who ended up getting injured, you didn't really have a clear and uh, and uh, and well thought out plan behind them. And that's right. really the case with, I would say, Darren Waller and Andrew Thomas. Now, obviously, you have Daniel Bellinger behind Dan- Daniel Waller, and we're comfortable with that. But who the hell is behind Daniel Bellinger? And then with Andrew Thomas, you have Josh Azudu. That's a guard. Someone you drafted to be a guard is going to start at left tackle, and he's going to have to play against the 49ers. Like, that's such a bad place for Josh Azudu to find himself in. And I've, I've said this before on the podcast, Joe, and I'm sorry if I cut you off, Chris. I said this before on the podcast. This season, Joe Shane took a bunch of calculated risks, right? Teams always take calculated risks. That's not too novel. But every single one of those calculated risks that he took heading into the season blew up in his face. Every single Mm -hmm. one of them ended up the worst case scenario came to fruition. And then that worst case scenario ended up materializing because the player that they were relying on never developed or the depth that they had um, ended up getting injured. Like even like with the Seahawks game, Darren Waller goes down on that first drive. And now Daniel Bellinger's only real tight end on your roster now. Or Daniel Bellinger goes down. I'm sorry. Daniel Bellinger goes down on that first drive. Now Darren Waller is your only real tight end on the roster. And it's like, you can't use him now as a weapon because he needs to stay in the block because you run so much six-man protection without Daniel Bellinger there because you chose to keep uh, Lawrence Cager on your roster and no other tight end option. It's just all of those little decisions, man. They always just came back to roost and bite the Giants right in the rear end. Yeah, the, the, the Azudu. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chris. I, didn't I was, was going to say, it, it, it's just kind of the dichotomy between these past two years, 2022 now 2023. Last year, the Giants were... They were rolling the dice every week as well because they had to because they had no cap room. They were ju- the roster was just in shambles after the Dave Gettleman era. But all of those risks uh, they really paid off. Not being able to get a Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley out there, so the Giants just had to go with Adoree Jackson and whoever <laughs> at cornerback, and they had Fabian Moreau. Uh, Darnay Holmes. They're just bringing guys in off the street and it worked out for them. This year, they took all of those calculated risks and just it tempted the football gods. And like you said, it blew up. You know, last year, so many games came down to one play, the bounce of a ball, and it kept breaking the Giants' way. This year, all of those breaks went the other way, which is a complete flip of the script. So, Maybe hopefully we'll get kind of a regression both ways next year. I think that just like the one thing with everything you guys are saying in the preseason, I remember coming on right before the preseason. And then, and then I did a, a fill in spot uh, during the preseason. And I remember Trey Hawkins getting brought up so much. And I was thinking to myself, is this really like a positive that this kid is so good that he's a sixth rounder who I hadn't even watched film on because he wasn't even on my radar that this kid is going to step in and be a, a, you know, big, big time contributor. I think that that really showed to what you were just talking about, Nick, that there weren't a lot of contingency plans. There weren't a lot of 
there wasn't a lot of thoughtfulness, I think, in those backup situations for what happens if we have to turn to a certain guy. And the fact that Trey Hawkins had to step in and was listed as a starter early on in the season, it shows that not only how thin they were at corner, but also the fact that they didn't have any depth at the position. And it goes for offensive line, it goes for tight end. All that stuff caught up to them very, very badly. It, it definitely did. And it all gets compounded, too, because the offense got a little figured out, right? Like a lot of tape on this offense. It's like, well, they love to run play action bootlegs. So we're going to really defend the bootleg. They love to run everything to the half field. We don't need to respect the field side because Daniel Jones doesn't really throw outside the numbers to the field side all that often. So let's just not respect that. And then when you change your offense and change your approach and your philosophy, and you're also changing the personnel within that philosophy, it's just going to be a recipe for disaster in the NFL, especially when you have a tough schedule, which frankly, Giants had a much tougher schedule this season than they did when they were beating up on AFC South teams last year. (laughs) And last year looks like the year to beat up on the AFC South because you know, some of them actually have quarterbacks now, which is, <laughs> yeah, th- that's a little bit weird. It is a little bit weird. But before we get to the ad break, Joe, we want to talk about Tommy DeVito. I know you're part Paisan as well. I don't know yes. if, if you feel yes. this like whenever Tommy DeVito is being discussed, your ears start to scratch a little, they start to perk up. No, nah, but like, what is your overall assessment of what this young man has been able to do? It's a two-game winning streak. The guy already has more touchdowns. He had more touchdown passes after last week's game than both of the starting quarterbacks combined before him, which is a little wild. And I don't have delusions of grandeur about Tommy DeVito. I just think it's a very fun story, and I think he is maximizing his opportunity, which I love to see for any kid, let alone someone who is Jersey-born, who is a Paisan. It is a pretty cool story. It really fits this area of the country. But... What were your impressions of him at Illinois? And if you actually watched him at Syracuse, if you go back that far, because I know you do a lot of draft content. And what do you think of the opportunity and what he's made of it so far as an NFL quarterback? Yeah, DeVito is somebody who coming out of um, Don Bosco was a really highly recruited kid. And you're talking about when he was at Syracuse, he was, I believe he was a four star. He was one of the higher recruited uh, quarterbacks to come out of the state like he was he was pretty highly sought after you see the physical traits that he brings to the table now the decision making um, the instincts that he has for the position they are what they are and we're seeing that he's doing a lot better than we anticipated but what has worked well with DeVito and why he's gotten these opportunities at Syracuse and then at Illinois and why he was given this opportunity with the New York Giants local kid trained at uh, test in uh, Martinsville Uh, with that fantastic group, I believe. He is just physically a a gifted athlete, very, very gifted athlete. I don't think that you're going to get more out of him than what he's doing right now. I think it's a huge positive that he's shown to us that if in the future, whoever is the Giants starting quarterback down the line, that you can turn to him in in the instance of, uh, you know, worst case scenario. If somebody gets hurt for the season, he's good enough to step in and keep the offense on schedule. I think it's a testament to the fact that how messed up this roster is right now with other injuries that he's able to do some of the things that he's doing. And like you said, Nick, it's a fantastic story. It's really fun and exciting to laugh about the, you know, the the chicken cutlet stuff or the it was the chicken parm sandwich and and him still living at home in New Jersey. He's the epitome of being a a 20-something-year-old in New Jersey. But we do have to be realistic. One, he's not the future at the position. And two, admittedly, it's kind of hurting our draft position that he's he's playing so well. And everyone is, you know, I know that that's like such a crazy thing to say, and it's kind of a divisive thing to say. But him winning is pushing us out of 
good draft position. So maybe we'll be sticking with the same quarterback room next year if uh, if he continues to win games. Yeah, and I think that's something we can and will be talking about after the break. You know, with with Devito, I've got him down in my notes. Is he's the Giants version of Gardner Minshew? You think back? I like to that. You think back to twenty nineteen. Minshew was a six round pick. He was you know kind of a fun guy in preseason. You know, great mustache. You know, kind of all timer there with the mustache, but nobody was really expecting him to do much. Then he becomes the Jaguars quarterback and, you know, Minshew mania was born and, you know, pre-draft, he maybe got, he got some recognition for his willingness to be a gunslinger out there. And I think that's what we're seeing with DeVito. Like mm. he, what's making him successful is his willingness to take shots. He's taking deep shots down the field, which is something the Giants offense has wanted to do all season but they just haven't for a variety of reasons that we can get into after the season. But he's also willing to take shots from the defense because dude is getting blown up. He hasn't attempted 20 passes without getting sacked five times this year. So I don't know how sustainable that is long-term, but he's fun and it's working right now. It is working right now and it is fun. And we are going to talk about possibly some quarterback prospects in the upcoming draft some other players that should be on the Giants radar not just in the top 10 but also maybe in the second round since the Giants now do possess a second round pick that should finish in the top 50 depending on how the Seattle Seahawks fare and the Seahawks play the Dallas Cowboys tonight that's a weird one I don't want to root for Dallas right like screw the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> but it is good for the New York Giants for Seattle to lose but before we get to any of that conversation let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chris, Joe, the New York Giants, they could finish with the top five pick. I believe they're at six right now, but there's still, what, five, six games left in the NFL season. Joe, I want to go to you since you cover the NFL draft now, professionally, you college, cover college football. Let's dive into the quarterbacks real quick. We hear a lot about Caleb Williams. We hear a ton about Drake May. The Giants might be playing themselves out of those two, which is pretty depressing. Can you give us a brief not even too brief, but what's your elevator pitch on those two players specifically? Hopefully the Giants have a shot at them, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping for for Drake May any capability if they are going to take a, a quarterback. He reminds me so much of Justin Herbert. And we remember two different instances. It felt like we had a shot at, at Justin Herbert where the year where he was going to declare in the Dwayne Haskins draft and the, the Daniel Jones draft, he doesn't end up declaring. One kind of wonders what the future would have been like and the world would have been like if they got Justin Herbert and then that following year there was speculation maybe they still take him and they didn't end up doing it but the reason why I compare the two is just a very naturally gifted thrower of the football uh, a very physically well put together athlete that Drake May is and I think what's going to happen this cycle I've already kind of heard a little bit of it people are going to over evaluate him there's going to be a lot of oh he's very quiet is he a leader is he a locker room guy can he motivate a team 
And then he's going to do what Justin Herbert did and also what C.J. Stroud did, step up to the plate early on and make some incredible throws, be a highly impactful rookie. I think that that is a guy day one who is going to be turning heads and we're going to be like, wow, why did we even doubt this kid? And why didn't he go first overall? Now, the reason why he's probably not going to go first overall is because Caleb Williams is in the running for this spot. Another player who's probably going to get over-evaluated because of his personality, and we actually know what his personality is like. That is one of the few instances where front and center, we see this kid every single week who has been outspoken. I've heard some things outside of the, the, the public sphere of how he handles himself that aren't great to hear, but he is so gifted. He is so rare. We don't get players like this that are able to extend plays, throw on the run. There's throws that he has made where he'll roll out to his right, he will improvise, and then he'll throw all the way back to the other side of the field, and he's able to deliver that thing with pace. Throws that not many guys, if any, any guys in the NFL can make outside of Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. The only thing that does worry me a little bit with Caleb Williams, the ceiling is top three quarterback in the NFL, but part of the problem is here with Caleb Williams is he has played in an offense where he wasn't held accountable. Lincoln Riley kind of just said to him, you know, go ahead, do what you think is right in these situations. I worry a little bit if we get this Kyler Murray type of a situation where he's just constantly improvising. I, I, I'm a little worried that we might. I, were you making fun of because I was doing this? Is that, I, was, I didn't even realize. Yeah. I, I keep doing that. I don't know why. It's the we're talking about Tommy DeVito immediately inspired that. But I worry though that Caleb Williams is that type of guy um, that maybe doesn't really understand and grasp NFL offenses because he just likes to play that backyard style of football. Yeah, the the word that comes to mind with me with Caleb Williams, and we're going to see so many comparisons to Patrick Mahomes because he really does look like Mahomes when he came into the NFL with the way he's able to take those shots down the field. And he doesn't see, he has never seen a throw he doesn't think he can make. And just to me, his arm is arrogant. It isn't just good. Mm. He knows his arm is good, and he is willing to take any throw, attack any coverage, try to fit the ball through the eye of a needle because he kind of can. Yeah, he isn't big. He's like, what, six foot, six foot one, maybe 210, something like that. Yeah. He's about the same size as Mahomes, and he just has great feel for pressure around him he can escape he can run around and like you said he can make throws off schedule off platform but then you do have to wonder can that be reeled in can that be honed which that is what has taken Mahomes to the next level the fact that he he's realized he can play within the structure of the offense he doesn't have to play hero ball every down you know yes he can make throws while jumping through the air parallel to the ground. We have seen that with Mahomes, but he doesn't have to. And I, whether or not Williams, Caleb Williams reaches his ceiling will come down to whether or not that clicks for him as well. You know, for me, the real intrigue in the draft is with the next three guys. And that's Jaden Daniels at LSU, Bo Nix at Oregon and Michael Penix at Washington. Those guys, I, I've already said this. I've said this to Nick. I've said this to Ed. I'm going to be watching a ton of tape on those guys. I, it will take probably take most of a week to get my evaluation done on those guys. I, I think with those three players, and this is what happens and why I think as a Giants fan, I'm, I'm frustrated that they're not 
in that position in the top two to draft one of these players. Because at the end of the day, when you're picking a quarterback at six or later, five or later, you're usually, you're able to get a really good prospect, but you're getting somebody who maybe has some sort of a question mark that comes to the table with them as well. So like with Jaden Daniels example, he has been uh, an ascending player this whole year. I, I admittedly, I doubted him the uh, the entire off season, the entire season leading up. My co-host for the college football show that I do is a big LSU guy, and he has been hammering me the entire <laughs> uh, the entire season for doubting him. And there's even a tweet out there that I had last March that I said that if Jane Daniels is a first round pick, I'll eat a hat. So now that has resurfaced, which oh is probably going to have to come to fruition. I have to figure out. But Jane Daniels, man, he. He is an electric athlete. He's going to be a low 4-4 runner if he decides to run at the Combine. I was just pleasantly surprised by the instincts that have now shown up that we thought that he had when he was at Arizona State. The ball is delivered with, with tremendous pace. It comes out so quick. There's some deep balls that he has hit in some very tight windows that you're like, oh my God, that is a fantastic throw. I think he might be the best amongst that grouping, but the question mark that comes with him He's pretty thin, and he takes a lot of really, really bad hits. Is this somebody that you want to invest in that has survived those hits, but at what point does he not become eventually significantly injury-prone? From people that I've talked to, that has seemingly been one of the worries with Jaden Daniels. Bo Nix, a, a huge improvement in his time at Oregon. He has been somebody who has been very reactive. He gets the ball out super, super quick. He has been one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football, which is going to be a huge boost to him. I think that if Kenny Pickett was able to go where he did, Bo Nix deserves to go a lot higher and for uh, you know be a lot more highly sought after. But the issue with Bo Nix is he's playing within an offense that produces a lot of yards after catch. How much of what he is, is he doing totally translatable? Can we rely on him in tight situations to make plays when he's not given those short to intermediate routes that his offense so heavily relies on. And then Michael Penix has just been super shaky down the stretch. He's a guy in certain areas of the field. He just really struggles to be consistently accurate, but his arm is huge. When he's healthy, he is a great runner. He's got one of the best deep balls that I've seen in just in terms of distance and accuracy amongst any of these players. For me, Penix, I think, is going to be a little more middle to late first round if he does go. Somebody who is maybe in that playoff discussion that just misses out, maybe like the Minnesota Vikings that is like, okay, we want a quarterback. We like a couple of these players, but we missed out on the earlier group because we couldn't trade up. Yeah, what about JJ McCarthy? Oh, go ahead on him. Uh, <laughs> I, I got, okay. I gotta be, I gotta be completely honest with JJ McCarthy. I'm, I'm not in on him. I, I don't know if you guys have watched him or liked him. I just have not seen anything from him that really, screams to me that this is a high quality starting NFL quarterback. I mean, there's some shades of uh, Daniel Jones, one might argue, which oh kind of paints how one might assume how I feel about Daniel Jones. I, I just think that he is inconsistently uh, accurate. He's not a consistent thrower of the football in terms of where he's trying to place it. And then I don't love his decision making. His arm is also not as live and as, as big as you would hope it would be for um a highly rated player as he has been built up to be, but I think he's fine. I just don't think he's going to be a high level starter in the NFL. And for those who are a little bit new to the draft, that's Jaden Daniels from LSU, Bo Nix, Oregon, Michael Penix, Jr., Washington, JJ McCarthy, Michigan. And if you're a troglodyte, Drake May, UNC, Caleb Williams, USC. Chris, <laughs> I know you wanted to say something, so please. No, yeah. 
just to go back to the that kind of second tier of quarterbacks with uh, Daniels, Penix, and Knicks. Oh, uh, maybe we should put Daniel uh, Jaden Daniels between Penix and Knicks when we list them off, just so we don't repeat Knicks a couple times just to confuse people. But you know, with Michael Penix Jr., my concern with him has has to be those injuries. Yeah, he's had two ACLs on the same leg. He's had two shoulder injuries, all those obviously season ending. And he is a guy, he does not take sacks. Like he does not take a lot of sacks at all. And if you're not getting hit a lot, but you're still getting hurt, there are some aspects of durability that are just genetic. You know, Eli Manning didn't get hurt a lot. And I know a lot of people talk about his stretching routine. They talk about, you know, his football IQ and all that matters. But also a lot of it is just because he, he was Eli's, just how he was put together. Whereby, or on the other hand, you have Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, guys who look, they look like they were built in a lab. And their careers were cut incredibly short by injury, mm. just because of a the nature of their games but also just you know who they are so the injury concern with dan with Penix is very real for me also i i share that concern with Jaden daniels because like you said he's thin now i don't i don't believe in body armor you know just talking about andrew luck and cam newton you know two guys who had probably about 40 pounds on Jaden daniels and I don't believe there's an amount of muscle mass that can protect you from an NFL pounding. Right. But Jaden Daniels also has taken a lot of sacks, particularly before this year when, you know, he just, I sincerely hope that everything just clicked for him and he turned into Joe Burrow and is ready to light the NFL on fire because when he's on, he is incredibly fun to watch. Well, the issue then with the you know bringing up Joe Burrow, I mean Joe Burrow is now also injury prone. That's and he's true. Somebody who's get, gotten banged up a ton. That's true. <laughs> oh, the plot thickens. Let's transition a little bit here to the wide receiver position. I feel like the New York Giants have been looking for a wide receiver. I don't even know since when. Like since well before I started covering this football team, they've tried it through free agency. They've they've made a couple solid draft selections who, you know, have been adequate receivers, but they haven't found that true alpha since obviously Odell Beckham Jr. and we all know how that ended. So, Joe, please give us a breakdown of some of these first round wide receivers, who you like, who you're maybe a little bit concerned about, and who you think is the best fit for the New York Giants. Yeah, I think that first of all, again, part of my frustration with the with the drop back in the draft position is if you are at five, you're probably out of the running for Marvin Harrison Jr. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is that good to go within the top three. If Jamar Chase went where he did, I really think that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be in that conversation. The, the guy is one of the best receiver prospects that I have ever seen. I haven't been covering, covering the draft for that long, um, but I think that most people – who have watched him, who have decades in the industry or being a scout would agree with me. He is just a, a crazy, crazy athlete with tremendous body control, great route running. He's somebody who's going to step right in and immediately be in the offensive rookie of the year conversation and probably be in the best wide receiver in the NFL conversation. He is that good. If he goes to an offense that has an established quarterback that has a good situation, he is going to really, really boost their offensive production. And I think that he is one of the surefire, guaranteed-to-work type of players, barring that he doesn't have 
uh, an injury field filled career, which I don't think will happen. Do you outside of the, oh, real, real quick, Joe, and I'm kind of yeah. putting you on the spot here. He's the Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State is the best wide receiver prospect since. Uh, I would say since Jamar Chase, because Jamar Chase okay. was pretty highly, pretty highly sought after. And- he was very. It's a weird year with Jamar Chase because yeah. of COVID. He missed the 2020 right. season. I was wondering, does it go as far back as Julio and even even predate that to Calvin Johnson? And I'm like, that's where I'm trying to feel out where he fits in here. I would say Julio is probably the better one. The thing with Calvin Johnson, I think that we'll never, ever be able to compare yeah, he was insane. Uh, anyone to him. Yeah, because physically he's just a, an alien. But I would say Julio, and that's somebody who you watch Marvin Harrison Jr., you see some shades and some comparisons of that. And I, I also see a little bit of you know Larry Fitzgerald in his game where he's just so precise, so consistent. And we know how both of those guys were as soon as they stepped on an NFL field. All three of the guys that we've mentioned here, Jamar Chase, Julio Jones uh, and um, Calvin Johnson, uh, Calvin Johnson have, have all had pretty significant early impacts in the NFL. But the other guys, though, the other grouping that I think are going to be talked about in the first round, Keon Coleman f- from Florida State is somebody who is my second receiver, um, does not really have the production to get super excited about. But you watch him and you totally see a, a freakishly dominant X receiver if everything goes according to plan. Another player who's really strong route runner. He's got like this build, like an edge rusher. He's so wide. He's he's got just fantastically long arms. He's his hands are amazing. He is going to be a a, a great jump ball threat in the NFL and somebody that the Giants should abs- absolutely look at. Malik Neighbors from LSU has been uh, the partner in crime for Jaden Daniels, and one could argue the chicken before the egg type of a situation. If if Neighbors is playing well because of Daniels, is Daniels playing well because of Neighbors? Comparisons to OBJ are going to come out for neighbors because there are obviously him playing at LSU, but smaller, little leaner, great route runner. He's very explosive, inconsistency with his hands, but still just an explosive threat every single time he touches the football. And then I see the last one that you guys have written down here, Roman Dunze from Washington. He is similar to Coleman, a, a freakishly good jump ball player. I think that Coleman's a better jump ball player than he is, but Roma Dunze middle back end of the first round is going to be a player that is going to be highly impactful uh, in the NFL because he is just so consistent. His hands are great. He has been a go-to option in every third down situation that Washington's been in this year. Yeah, this is a pretty deep wide receiver class, and maybe that has something to do with the caliber of quarterbacks that are coming out. You've got guys like Michael Penix. You've got guys like Jaden Daniels who are working with these wide receivers and maybe that's allowing these guys to play up to their potential, their NFL potential at the collegiate level. But even down the board, you've got, uh, Emike, Oh God. Ibuka at Ohio state. Mecca Ibuka. Mecca Ibuka. That wasn't bad, Chris. Thanks. Or, you know, I, I think we'd be talking about him a lot more if it wasn't for Marvin Harrison jr. Uh, Xavier Leggett at South Carolina, mm. the the two guys at Texas, Adoni Mitchell, who's had you know some pretty, he's had some injury issues. Xavier Worthy, speedster yeah. there, and another guy I'm I'm looking forward to studying Troy Franklin out in Oregon because he's not getting talked about a lot, but he's he kind of reminds me a little bit of a slightly smaller 
version of Marvin Harrison Jr. And I just mean that as a slit, a leaner version, because they're both about the same height and they're both producing at about the same clip. If the Giants were to wind up drafting Bo Nix, if he winds up being their guy, I would absolutely support circling back around with one of those day two picks and getting Troy Troy Franklin just to have that potential, maybe 1A, 1B with Jalen Hyatt that Bo Nix would already have a rapport with. The New York Ducks, that's what we'll we'll become. (laughs) They can compete with the Philadelphia Bulldogs. Right. Oh, man. Jeez. I hate the fact that they have so many Georgia Bulldogs, especially as a Bulldog owner. I have a Bulldog, <laughs> you know, at home. And I look at him and I'm like, oh, no, no, you're not, you're not like that, buddy. Don't worry. But yes. And you know what? He's also a giant, though, too, because he's like 80 pounds and like just stuck. So he's a giant, too, at heart. All right. Joe, before we let you go, we have to talk about edge rushers again. Similar to the wide receiver position, we've been looking for edge rushers forever. And you can never have enough edge rushers. Go by the Ernie Accorsi philosophy. And we know he drafted Aziz Ojolari, been injured a lot. I think he is a wildly talented individual when he is out there, specifically his ability to win high side. Kayvon Thibodeau is really developing, already has what is it now, 11 and a half sacks? Because I think he had the sack on Mac Jones that was like at the line of scrimmage. Hell, give it to him. Absolutely love what we're seeing from Kayvon Thibodeau this season. But tell us some of the top edge rushers who the Giants might be considering in the first or second round in this draft who who uh, would complement Kayvon Thibodeau really well. Yeah, the the edge class this year, it's, it's really weird how cyclical the draft can be because the past two drafts have had just so much edge talent and we're flipping to a year where we probably won't have a, a guy who goes in the top 10. I think that there's a lot of highly impactful, early draftable uh, edge rushers in this class that are going to be just key contributors to a defense. I don't see a Will Anderson. I don't see a Kayvon Thibodeau necessarily in this grouping, but I still see a lot of really good football players, which is going to be a benefit for the Giants that come around in the second round. One of these guys is probably going to fall Kind of like with BJ Ojolari a few years ago, where you're just kind of waiting and seeing if somebody slips, and you're like, "Oh, we got to snatch this guy guy up when it when it comes around for the Giants pick." Um, the the big one for me and the guy that I like the most is Jared Verse from Florida State, former Albany player. Uh, he transferred from Albany to Florida State, so there's that New York connection. He is a, a very physical, strong, aggressive player. I think he needs to develop a little bit more of a, a deeper move set because he relies really heavily on his his swim move but he can really explode and burst in and out of his stance in and out of his cuts so well he is a finisher he didn't he had a little bit of a quiet start to the year because he's been getting a lot of extra attention and blocking which tends to happen with good edge rushers in college football but he is really turning up for an important part of their season right now right behind him I, I like what Dallas Turner brings to the table he is somebody coming into the season I wanted to see more instincts develop for him. And I, I think that um, for the edge rusher out of Alabama, I, I was I haven't really gotten that from him. I, I just did my my eval on him. I think that his production's gone up because he's playing in a defense that is far more advantageous for him to succeed. But I just don't have that killer instinct. But regardless of that, he is the most bendy, flexible player amongst this group. And his ceiling is tremendously high if he can hit it. And if Wink Martindale, still the defensive coordinator, he feels like somebody that uh, he would get excited over. Lietu Latu from UCLA is somebody who gets brought up a ton. Technical, very, very well-rounded pass rush move skill set for for his uh, play style. 
The only issue with him is he has a litany of injuries in his career. Mm -hmm. Like I have heard a number that are going to significantly hurt his draft stock. I, I personally don't even really see him going in the first round potentially. And this could be a guy in the second round that the Giants pulled the trigger on, but if they don't want to deal with another injury riddled player, they might pass up on him. And then last one, Chop Robinson from Penn State that you guys have uh, written down here. A little more compact, but still very explosive. He has a pretty dangerous spin move. I think that he is somebody who is more realistically in that second round spot, early second round, that you grab is going to be a rotational player to eventually a full-time starter because he's super bursty uh, and he's very, very explosive. Is Chop Robinson the best name in the draft, Joe? Oh, easily. Uh, off the off the top of my head. Yeah, I would say Chop Robinson off the top. I mean, it fits is the Kool-Aid, position. He's is got Kool- have... Yeah, is Kool-Aid in this draft? Yeah, Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid is in this draft, yeah. and right now he's he's a he's got a first round grade for me right now. He's my second corner as of right now. But yeah, I mean that's that's not really a given name though. You know, that's like yeah. a picked nickname by him. No, I, I have to say the the leader for the all name team, Harvard defensive lineman Thor Griffith. Oh, wow. Uh, so he's he's in the transfer portal right now. He's got a ton of offers. He he's really freaking good. If you haven't watched him and you just want to look at a really good defensive lineman, really good football player. Speaking also, of transfer, oh, sorry, Chris. Oh no. Speaking of I'll, transfer portal, uh, real quick, like is Florida State just like dominating that? Like I, I don't really pay super close attention to college football until like this time of the year rolls around, and all I know is two or three of the guys we named today were transfers to Florida. Like all the Florida State guys yeah. were transfers in, so are they just like really taking advantage of of that uh that, that uh asset? I guess. Yeah, they were it felt like the first successful case of diving really deep into the transfer portal because they had, they recruited well, they had some good players, but they needed that extra receiver with Keon Coleman. Mm-hmm. They needed that edge rusher with Jared verse who they got a year prior. I think that we're about to see as these portal offers start to come in and we are at the spot where the underclassmen aren't allowed to declare just yet. Once they declare, we're going to see every other team. Like I've heard LSU is going to get really into Uh, into the portal this year. There's potential for Notre Dame to be really aggressive. I think so many teams across the country are going to copy and try and do what Florida State did because they see that if you spend the money and if you get these polished players to come in, you can make a national championship run. Yeah, It's kind of college free agency. That's what it seems like. It's uh, it's wild to me because this is it's new. So you're starting to see the more savvy teams come around to it. And I think Florida State just did this. I don't know if this is like a a common knowledge around college football. I'm sure it probably is. But it seems like they noticed a a different market emerging and they just capitalized on it. Respect, man. I I love to see that. Chris, did you have something, buddy? Yeah, just I I, want to see what happens with KJ Jefferson, the current quarterback for Arkansas. He's a guy who. You know, past couple of years, he was really good, took a step backwards this year just because of injuries. Arkansas as a whole kind of took a step back. Uh, their edge, Landon Jackson, is somebody I want to I want to take a good look at, possibly for the Giants, if they like that big physical. And I'm going to say another guy who looks kind of like an alien out there presence on the defensive line but you know, well, he Jeff- literally looks like an alien for the <laughs> i mean for, i'm glad you said reason. it not me but yeah <laughs> uh, dude, he's a dude i if he's the first guy off the bus i'm i might turn around and go back to the locker room <laughs> so yeah, yeah he he's thick <laughs> yeah players like that uh, when uh, i was coaching at fdu and we would face some schools that had 
players who were division one, but ended up going down to division three for academic reasons or what have you, they would put those players on the midfield stripe and just sit there with like a crop top Ezekiel Elliott look and just look at our team <laughs> and our team, like fairly, we didn't have guys like that, like at all. Right. And it was just right. a straight intimidation factor before the game. And I felt it within some of our guys that like some of them were like, <laughs> like the freshman and sophomore were like, Oh crap, man, I got to freaking block that. You know, it's like, those guys are never that good though. Like you'll, you see them standing there and then on the, sometimes they're freakishly good, but yeah. there's usually a reason why they end up getting stuck at that level. And they're usually not very you know, very tough. They're not very physical or whatnot. It it it's sometimes it, it goes beyond just being good. Some of them are just freakishly strong. Right. And and then that's like you, technique. You can have all the technique in the world, but if you can't handle the strength, then you're yeah. absolutely screwed. Yeah. At that level of football, you don't see this in the NFL or at higher level right. of college football. But Chris, Joe, do you guys have anything else before we get out of here? This was a fun podcast previewing the draft and talking about Tommy Cutlets. <laughs> No, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, have me as always talking the draft stuff. I, I'm once again, I'm hoping that the Giants figure out the draft and do it, uh, do it right, and we can maybe. I, the biggest thing I'm praying for is that there's a possibility we get a quarterback. I think it's it's time to time to cut bait and just start over, start from scratch. Yeah, that's really what this year is. At least, at least to my way of thinking, this is something teams don't get all that often and it, it's basically for the Giants a do-over of 2018 where they have the chance to make f- franchise altering moves they just kind of have to take advantage of the opportunity it's funny though because a lot of those decisions from the general manager back in 2018 you still have to make decisions on a lot of those players and you have a lot of money tied up in one of them the 2019 first round selection the uh the one that was the first of the first round yes. selections because you already locked up dexter <laughs> lawrence and the other guy who even knows where deandre baker's at i have no idea but thank you everyone for tuning into the chris and nick show here on big blue view radio with our great guest joe de Leon. please go and follow him on twitter joe what is your twitter handle uh, at Joe DeLeon and then the show that I host, uh, the first team, as well as Rufino and Joe, if you want to go check that out. And where can you find that? Uh, anywhere you find a podcast and on YouTube, it's R-U-F-F-I-N-O and Joe. Love it. Take care, everybody, and have a wonderful day. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.